0: Thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting "Don't Keep Your Day Job." Athletic Greens is an all-in-one health drink with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients to help support your body's nutritional needs. Get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with a subscription by going to athleticgreens.com/dreamjob. Hi, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of "Don't Keep Your Day Job." So today, I am just so, so honored. I am unbelievably humbled to have our guest here today. Dr. Edith Eager is here having this conversation with her. I couldn't stop the tears from flowing. I am completely in awe of her, her strength, her wisdom, her grace, her courage. Dr. Edith Eager is a psychologist. She's a New York Times bestselling author. She's a Holocaust survivor. She's a speaker and she is living testament to what a human being could be. Her story is nothing short of awe-inspiring. She was in Auschwitz concentration camp She was there as a teenager, she barely survived. She went on to come to the US and she later got her degree in psychology. And eventually she opened her own practice to help people find healing and leave their limitations behind. From there, she went on to write two incredible books. Her first book is called The Choice embrace the possible. It's about how she spent decades struggling with flashbacks and survivor's guilt and was finally able to fully heal and forgive herself. Her second book is The Gift, 12 Lessons to Save Your Life. It is a practical and inspirational guide to healing, how to stop destructive patterns and imprisoning thoughts to find freedom and enjoy life. She dives into the 12 most pervasive imprisoning beliefs, including fear, grief, anger, secrets, stress, guilt, shame, and avoidance. And she shares the tools that she's discovered to deal with these universal challenges. Both of these books are must-reads. I have been buying these books for friends I feel that this should be required reading. Dr. Edith has so much love, so much love to give. That in of itself is massive. It's giant considering what she has endured. She is one of the wisest souls I've ever spoken to. And I am certain that this conversation will nourish you. Without further ado, please welcome Dr. Edith Eger. First of all, I just wanna say to you, it's such an incredible honor to have you here.
1: Oh, Thank you, it's very mutual. I love what you're saying. I love the idea of being being a human being with purpose and meaning in life. And uh, you're a wonderful way of uh, putting it and letting people know that there is a choice and uh, you really came to this world to let people know that one person can make a difference
0: i'm already crying and it's been 40 seconds Um, i read your most recent book and just the opening chapter was one of the most powerful things i've ever read and we're gonna get into so much of your journey your story all the things that you've written, not just your most recent book, but I just want you to know, I can't think of a person who's been on this show who I just respect more than you. So anyway, just as another piece of my story is I'm Jewish and uh, your story is obviously extremely close to home. So I just feel so grateful that you're in the world I can't even put words on it. So let's now begin (laughs) all that out of the way. So I don't know if everybody's heard you share your journey and boy, is it the most important journey I've ever heard in my life. So if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about the story for those who don't know, and then we can start to talk about all of the incredible wisdom that you have extracted from it. Thank you.
1: I am hoping that you and I were put here into this world to give people choices because the more choices we have, the less we feel like a victim. So that's why don't call me shrink, call me stretch. So I'm gonna start at the beginning. I was born in uh, 1927 in uh, Kosice, Czechoslovakia. And uh, my mother and father really wanted a son after two girls, and here came a third girl. And what I remember that Magda was the pretty one, and Clara was the talented one, and I became a Durant. And I never really introduced myself by my name. I would say I'm Clara's sister. And then my mother one day looked at me and said, I'm I'm so glad you have brains because you have no looks. So I think that was important for me to kind of become where I will take you to become a very, very highly educated uh, teenager. And uh, the biggest shock was in my life because I was prepared to be a very, very good gymnast and Olympic material. And my trainer told me one day, I have to train a Jewish girl. I say, no, no, no. That's why I'm talking to you. You have to train someone who is a Gentile because you are not qualified. And I think this was the shock. Of me. I did nothing but train and train hours and hours a day, and here it came. So that was really the shock of, of my life uh, as a teenager. And then uh, uh, one thing that I must always say that unfortunately, we have genocide even as we speak, but never in the history of mankind such a scientific and systematic annihilation of people existed. And that's why I am saying that, because 15 highly educated people were celebrating at the end of the day that now they can put 30,000 Jews into the oven. So I am part of that final solution of Eichmann. But I can also tell you, that I'm very proud of my ancestors because they were slaves. They were not having a good life. And then it took them more than 40 years to to walk on the desert, and they never gave up. So that's the blood you and I carry that we never give up. And here you are, my colleague, my colleague telling people Many people can do what you can do, but not the way you can do it. You're one of a kind, and you are doing your calling, and I do too. It's not a job, you know, and we are going to die very happy, not asking what the world has given us, but in what way we could unite people and continue the dialogue so we can unfortunately, form a human family so we can finally survive on this planet. So I welcome you. I welcome you, and you are so young, and so I want to give you a standing ovation and let you know that the more you suffer, the stronger you become. So you can quote me, I can quote you, I love your idea that purpose is the opposition of depression. I say that the opposite of depression is expression, because what comes out of your body doesn't make you ill. So if you have any secrets, it's good to cry, it's good to get it out, and not to really carry any anger, because you are poisoning actually yourself and you have to be a good mommy to yourself. So what I say about anger, that it's not a primary emotion, but we either vent it, suppress it. In Hungary, we say to women, don't breathe into your breast." Very good, very wise. But I like to dissolve it and, and so you and I really saying the same things. I say it my way, and you have it your way. But acknowledge that no one ever can ever replace you. You're one of a kind. There'll never be
0: another you. Your words are literally um, like medicine, and your heart is so open and so yes. loving, and you're, you're such a giant... And it's just unbelievable, the pure, genuine goodness. And I don't know if people really get the depth of what you're saying if they don't appreciate what you really experience. And some people, they don't really know much about the Holocaust, or some people, they just turn away because it's too hard. It's too much to... To listen to, but when you read the book, or if you go to Yad Vashem or anywhere where you can learn, the things that you have witnessed are the absolute darkest mm-hmm. possible moments ever that have taken place in humanity, absolute darkest. And you said in your book, The Gift, which I just read, and I gave it out as a gift to so many people. I said, you have to read this book. You have to read this book. (laughs) You, You said something. There came a point later on when I recognized that there was no prison. There was no thing that the Nazis could do to me that was worse than what I could do to myself in my own mind with my own thoughts imprisoning myself can you yes. talk about that and what does that mean to you i am many
1: times compared to anna frank because she also uh, was with a father who believed in education and studied latin and greek and i so many people call me many times that i am the anna frank who didn't die But there is one thing I remember when she said, I'm looking outside and people are killing each other. And I still believe that people are basically good. And I am so grateful to be the Anne Frank who didn't die and let people know. That somehow, the more we suffer, the stronger you became. We never gave up. And here we are, doing everything in our power to prevent good people doing such bad things. Because we're not born bad, we're not born evil. We learn to hate. And that's why I was able to discover my God who guided me to turn hatred to pity. When I looked at those people in the uniforms, that they would pick up children and throwing them into the oven without even guessing them, I thought, how could? How could that happen when people listen to a lie and I was told every day that I'm never going to get out of here alive because I'm cancer to society. And people didn't know that little Jew Einstein came to America and saved America World War II. So you see, we got to question authority rather than blindly adhere to authority. I was just interviewed by a journalist in Budapest. And we talked about the president and what happens and the anti-Semitism that is really just still flourishing. So I will call you an ambassador for peace and goodwill. So I welcome you, my darling. And I'm going to be your grandma. I'm 93. You could be my grandchild, right? How old are you? 41. Yeah, you could be my grandchild easily. What it matters is uh, how you want to be remembered. And I want to be remembered that I did everything in my power. It's in the Torah, actually, to remember the people so they didn't die in vain. And I and you keep that alive What can we do to prevent anything like that ever again and catch it before it's too late? So I don't have time to hate, because if I would live in hate, I would still be a prisoner. But that doesn't mean I forget the past or I even overcome it. I don't know that word. I came to terms with it, and I call it my cherished wound because part of me was left in Auschwitz but not the better part not the bigger part and that's why when I was working with two paraplegics and I realized that I couldn't take them further than I have gone then I decided to go back to Auschwitz and I asked my sister Magda to join me because we lost the whole family never went to a funeral And she told me I was an idiot. So we went through the same experience, very different responses. I never mentioned to my sister once again, but I remember that I took care of her. And if you talk to my sister, she will tell you that she took care of me. So now who are you going to (laughs) believe? Who are you going to
0: believe? I want to ask you a question because you wrote this whole book These two books are absolutely, they should be required reading for every human being. They're so Mm -hmm. magnificent. And what you just said before, which you talk about in both of the books, The Choice and The Gift, is you talk about what you just said, that the story, the narrative, what happened, you did not allow that to get, as you said, the best of you. But most of the people who listen to this podcast, they hold on to that story. They are victims of their story and it robs them of their life in the present moment. So tell me about why you then felt compelled to write The Choice, which was the first one, to help people see that they have a choice when they feel that they don't. You know, if you tell me, that I
1: want to lose weight. And I'm gonna tell you what to do and how many calories and so on. And then you come to me and tell me, Edie, I'm tempted to your Hungarian chocolate cake. And I don't know, whatever you tell me to do, I keep cheating. And I'm saying to you, you know what? God gave us temptation, why? So you can practice the freedom of choice. The cake is just sitting there. It's up to you whether you're going to reach for it or not. So when you ask a child, why do you do that? The kid would say, because I feel like it. Kids don't care about the consequences. As an adult, you still feel like it because God gave us temptation. Why? So you can practice the freedom of choice. So temptation is here to stay as long as you live. It's whether you act upon it or not. It's whether you think with an adult mind that every behavior has a consequence and what you think you create. So I ask to think about your thinking and pay attention what you're paying attention to. Any behavior you pay attention to, you reinforce that behavior. So you see, I don't want to think about the pink elephant. You're going to think about the pink elephant. So it's it's good to decide to say a lot of, yes, I am. Yes, I can. Yes, I win. Rather than, I don't want this. I don't like that. Not to be against, but to be for. And recognize that the more choices we have, the less we feel ever like a victim. There is no victim without a victimizer. Children blame. And while you blame, you're still a child. So you got to be very careful that every behavior satisfies a need and it has secondary gains. Because while I'm a victim, it gives me the entitlement to do nothing. So if I ask a depressed person... What's good about being depressed? And that person tells me, nothing. And then I say very quietly, could it be that when you're depressed, you can get by with less? Maybe you don't have to wash the dishes. Maybe you don't have to say that every behavior satisfies a need. When I'm hungry, I eat. So when people come to me, I diagnose people who come to see me with one word. They are hungry. They either have something what they don't want or they want something what they don't have. Just make it simple. So I usually say in a Hungarian way, and I say, (laughs) if I had a magic wand, And I could give you anything, what would you have, what you don't have now? And most people are hungry for affection, hungry for attention, hungry for achievement. And they overeat or overdrink or whatever you do in excess. You come to me that we're going to have a goal. And I call it an arrow that you follow an arrow. I write constitutions for families. There is no freedom without responsibility. It's anarchy. So if you want to go out this weekend, and this is what you do during the week, make rules. you got to have rules. If not, you're going to have chaos. And everything begins with you the way you think is what you create you see any how how beautiful it is for you to look at things existentially that you are whatever you're doing is satisfies a need but now maybe it doesn't work anymore now we are locked in we were told one thing and we found another And I can be very disappointed and yet never be discouraged because this is temporary and I don't like it. It's inconvenient and it's temporary and I can survive it. So I say, are you revalving or are you evolving? And you are the guide, honey. The
0: best is yet to be. Listening to you speak is like listening to music. It's beautiful and it's true. That's I what my mother
1: told me that, I'm glad you have brains because you have no looks, but I'm not here to be angry at my mother because I became a very highly educated, very educated.
0: If what you said was already not the most powerful, impressive words I've ever heard, What's even probably m- more impressive is that the biggest source of pain that you already touched on, that our listeners have, that I think most humans have, is a feeling of not being enough, not being worthy. And when you say what you just said about how you were told that you had the brains, but not the looks, and you're still able, on top of Everything you've been through to stand in a place of worthiness so that your cup is full and you can give to others. How mm-hmm. do you help other people to reclaim a sense of the fact that they would feel worthy when they don't? So, when people say, I'm a Holocaust
1: survivor, I say, I am a human being who went through an experience. But it's not my identity. It's not who I am. It's what was done to me. Okay? So you don't take things personally. That's what we do. We start defending ourselves over a crime that we never committed. Never, ever defend yourself. You're going to be defeated. So if someone tells you that green crocodiles are walking on that wall... You say, oh, tell me about it, (laughs) because love is time. You give time, T-I-M-E, time, love is time. When I had a white supremacy boy who joined a man in Texas, his name was David Koresh, you can look him up, you're too young, and he said, Unfortunately, so many things in so many ways that he had a whole bunch of people following him in Texas. I think the government bombed him after a while and they all died. But I had one of those boys and he told me that he is a boot boy and I didn't know what it meant. So I acknowledged his boots. But then he said, he got up, he put his elbow on my desk and said, Hey, doc, it's time for America to be white again. And I'm going to kill all the Jews, all the, using the N-word, the Jews, the N-word, the the Mexicans, and the Chinkos. Now, I'm going to tell you the difference between reacting or responding. If I would have reacted, by the time you react, you actually, you don't even think what you're doing. It's better to respond rather than react, but we can talk about react. Anyway, when he said that, I went to God and I said, God, people don't come to me, they're sent to me. What do I do with this guy? And God said to me, find the bigot in you. And I said to God, it's impossible. I'm not the bigot. I came to America. I didn't speak English. I worked in a factory. And I went to the bathroom. And one of them said, colored. In 1949, and after Nazi Germany and communist Russia, I'm coming to democracy and guess what I say? See, love is not what you feel, is what you do. I went to the Black women. They took me to a meeting an NAACP. And they also took me later on in 1963 to Washington, meeting Martin Luther King and singing We shall overcome with the mamas and the papas in 1963. So when I talk, I tell you what I lived. It's very important to acknowledge that all we have is ourselves for a lifetime. All other relationship ends and dependency breeds depression a lot of the time. So what am I saying here? That self-love is self-care. It's not narcissistic. So when you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror and say, I love me. And start the day with a decision. Because you want to look at life as one day. And I'm at the evening part of my life. Talking to a 41 year old and say, I want to be a good role model to you. It's okay to cry because what comes out of your body doesn't make you ill. <laughs> it's good. God gave us tears, but look at your tear. Is it angry tears? What kind, what is your tear really telling you about you?
0: It's so beautiful. I know for me, when I hear something so good, when a person is such goodness, it makes me cry because it's so much truth. My heart can't, it's beyond what words can do. And your words are so good that it's so much love. It's so much grace. This conversation is so special. Before we keep going, let's just thank our sponsor. It's not easy to balance nutritional habits with the rest of your life. Athletic Greens is here to help. Their daily all-in-one superfood powder can be incorporated into your daily routine as an easy and delicious option to get optimal nutrition in one convenient way. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains a whopping 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multi-mineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. These all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase energy and focus, help digestion, and support a healthy immune system. No need to take multiple products or pills. It's lifestyle friendly and keeps you covered, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. So whether you're looking for peak performance or better health, Athletic Greens makes it tasty and efficient to invest in and your energy, immunity, and gut health every day. I love that Athletic Greens makes it so easy for me to get in my vitamins and minerals. One of my goals this year is to take better care of my health by being more intentional about what I put in my body. And this has really helped me feel more energized and nourished without having to keep track of taking a bunch of different supplements. It tastes great, plus it has less than one gram of sugar, which I've been trying to cut down on. To get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with a subscription, go to athleticgreens.com slash dream job and join health experts, athletes, and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. That's athleticgreens.com slash dream to get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. You know, you've said the word God mm-hmm. eight times, maybe already, maybe more. And I love God. Me too. <laughs> I, I love my God.
1: It stinker better. The free spirit, I people tell me, where was God in Auschwitz?
0: Right. That's what I was going to ask you, because it's so easy for people to say, no way, no way. So how do you have that? God was with me, changing the
1: hatred into pity, feeling sorry for the gods. That they were wearing that uniform, throwing children in a gas chamber, So I can call Auschwitz, what you call many things, an opportunity. It was an opportunity for an opportunity to develop that happiness doesn't come from the outside, that no one makes me happy. I developed my inner resources, and the more I suffered, the stronger I became. You turn tragedy into an opportunity, into a victory. If I would hate, I would still be a prisoner. Why give Hitler another inch? So opportunity for an opportunity, not recovery, but discovery that I have strength, whether I'm going to respond or react. When you react, you don't think. I tell children to... Take that movie called The Karate Kid, because the best power is brain power. Yeah. 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 So what you think you create, that's very important. And that's what you're saying. And anger, one while while you are angry, you're bankrupt because you allowed somebody to get to you. It's called trigger. People trigger.
0: So many of my audience members ask me every day, all day, so what do I do if I want to create a life I love? What steps do I take? How do I make manifest in my life the most incredible purpose-driven business, the most incredible marriage? What do I do? What do I do? And so much for me is thinking about instead of what do I do, it's how do I be? right? And you are saying what you think about is what you create. So what do you say to someone who says, but just tell me the steps. What are the steps to having a good marriage? What are the steps to building an incredible business? What do you say to them?
1: One of the things I say in marriage that you give and take and tolerating differences, that I can be I, If you come with an agenda and you tell me, I know he drinks, but my love is going to make him want to stop drinking. No, no. So you ask yourself a very simple question. What am I doing now? And is it working? Just be practical. Talk to yourself because your self-dialogue changes your body chemistry. The way you get up in the morning, look in the mirror, the way you talk to yourself changes your whole day. Yeah. That nobody can get to me.
0: Yeah.
1: Unless I allow you to come. And I, I tell you at 93, when people say, he makes me angry, I'm so frustrated. I say, what's good about it? Because any behavior satisfies a need. And I'm hungry. I eat. When I'm thirsty, I drink.
2: Right.
1: You know. But you say, "Don't make me work. Just tell me what to do." And I'm gonna say to you, honey, be Jewish. Answer a question with a question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so good. It's because, so good. Because that person is your teacher, and the most obnoxious person is your best teacher. Oh, that's
0: so. It's so good. And about 90% 90 of our audience is female and, you know, in relationships and want so much for their husbands. Most of them have husbands, some of them have wives, but for their partners, they want them to see them. They want them to appreciate them. They want them to talk to them, connect with them. And I know for so many women, there's this feeling of this emptiness. I wish he could share this with me, connect with me. And yeah, they are emotionally starving. So what happens
1: is that I ask people, don't ever ask, how are you? That's the stupidest things you can ever do. I used to ask my patients, how are you? And they would say, fine. And then I say to myself, "Uh uh-uh, you have to change, Edie. The next time they came, I said, geez, good to see you. I missed you. That's what you tell a husband rather than, how are you? How was your day? You look a little pale. Let me make you a drink. Are you hungry? No, don't ask any question because you're going to hear a lie. Don't say, why don't you do this? Because that's what we women do. We ask questions or give advice. And then when your child goes to the daddy, why is the moon blue? He says, automatically, go ask your mother. Passes the book to you. And you have nobody to pass the book to, so then you become the disciplinarian. And sometimes he calls you the boss. Or sometimes even calls you the mother. And sex is not going to be very good because you don't want to go to bed with a parent or a child. It's incestuous. You want to be a woman to a man, love yourself. So when you read my book, you read my book that I divorced my husband. And then I asked, I am asked, did you love your husband? And I asked, uh, I love my husband. I was very skinny. I was very lonely. And most of all, I was very hungry. And this guy bought me salami, Hungarian salami. So that's how I married him. And I became either his mother or his child. But you went back to him. No, I did not. I was a woman to a man. I grew up. So don't get married unless you are emotionally and financially independent. And if you don't love yourself, why should I love you? So marry yourself and get rid of words like I always, I never. A woman tells me, I'm never going to find a man. I need a man. And I say, if I were a man, I would run from you. You want to be a fireplace. That someone wants to get to know you. And so the question is, would you like to be married to you? So good. And the other question is, when did your childhood end? Because if you are Jewish, and if you're a child of a survivor, your childhood ended very young. Because you teach your parents how to speak English. You go to the grocery store and you look at jiffy peanut butter that your parents never even heard of. And then tuna fish never saw that either. So things are very different for a child who becomes a little adult early on. My little girl was two years old. She spoke four languages. So it's, it's really important how you think and how you assimilate into the culture. My husband never really became an American. Nothing was good in America because he lost everything by the communists. But I, wherever I'm planted, so maybe your wonderful audience are coming to you because you are the midwife and you guide them to give birth to the true self because God doesn't make junk young people tell me I love that you're beautiful just the way you are so get rid of always never dead end words absolutistic words and give away guilt and worry Guilt is in the past. Worry is in the future. We mothers worry too much, not realizing that worry is neurotic. Worry doesn't mean you're concerned about that person. It means that you don't trust that other person. We do many, many things in many, many ways, but that's why they come to you, that you can say, how is it working for you? What do you have more of, what less of? And you'd, you know, like fiddler on the roof, on the one hand, on the other hand. Men don't grow on criticism. Nobody does. Children don't either. So don't say yes, but, say yes, and.
2: Hmm.
1: You're very beautiful, but, you're fat, you're pimply. No, but, yes, and. Because after the but, You cancel everything you said before the birth.
0: I know a lot of women who listen to this show are um, people pleasers. I know Rachel Hollis had you on her podcast and I just had her on my show and we talked about her recent divorce and how she said, I, I abandoned myself so many times in the relationship. I could only be myself out of the relationship, but the work I think is to learn how to be ourselves in a relationship and, uh, it's sometimes lonelier in a relationship than on your own. Especially when you become a woman who starts to love yourself, sometimes you feel you can do a better job on your own. And it's hard to find a way to make it work. Well, you can ask yourself, when I'm with that person,
1: am I empowered or depleted? Am I stronger with that person than without him? You got to really have a good conversation with you And listen to that voice. Listen to that inner voice and listen to your self-dialogue. Because what you think you create. Mm -hmm. I don't want to think about it. I don't want. You're going to think about it. But it's up to you whether you hear something and know that this person is triggering something in you. Uh, I was listening to a movie called The Miracle Worker the other day. And The Miracle Worker really is working hard, working hard. And one day, they run out of water, so she takes the picture. And, uh, you know, she is, The Miracle Worker is the story of Helen Keller. You know that. Yeah. So they go out and get the water, and then she begins to talk the first time and said water, that took a while to say it. And that triggered something in me. And I realized that when I was liberated, I didn't know how to write. And it took me months to practice how you write a capital G. It's imagined. And you say, oh, I overcame. No, you don't. Don't even think about it, that you overcome. I come to terms with it. It's my cherished world. I learned in Auschwitz that life is from inside out. No one makes me happy. I make me happy. And you learn to negotiate and compromise. And this is a good time when we are locked in. But you have time to regroup, to redecide that maybe something needs to be buried. But when you let go of something, you have to replace it with something else. Mm-hmm. So it's really the question comes up for many people now. What am I holding on to? And using a good English word called willing, but am I willing to risk? That's the best for letter word. Because when I risk, I put myself out there. I become vulnerable. And there is no intimacy without vulnerability. And nothing blocks intimacy more than a low-level chronic anger. So what women do, they don't want to go to bed tonight and they don't want to go back tonight. But then she says, I should. That's what good wives do. And then she resents the fact she did something what she doesn't like to do. And she fluctuates from guilt to resentment. Not good. And that's why I like the young people because the pioneer woman worked alongside of the husband. And not until the woman became emotionally and financially, depending on the man, when wife beating began. And I helped to bring about transitional living centers for better wives. And the woman goes back to the husband as many as 7 to 15 times. Oh, my God. Because he brainwashes her that she's nothing without him. It's called the fellow centric view of man. And that's what Freud said that women are incomplete men because they don't have six inches or whatever. There is a very good book uh, by Zilberger. It's called Male Sexuality. Very good book for couples to read because we have faulty expectations. That's what happens, just like Romeo and Juliet. They don't know each other. They don't know their families. And that's why many times they arrange marriage, they meet under the copa. they never think about divorce. Maybe murder, but not divorce. I hear that quite a bit, you know.
0: Every word out of your mouth is like a masterclass mm-hmm. in living. The last thing I'm gonna ask you is I think the the biggest thing that I see that trips people up is they're so afraid to be messy, to get something wrong, to fail, to make a mistake. So they won't right. They won't do anything. They won't start a business. They won't write a letter. They won't speak their mind because it could be messy. What are gonna what do you say to people who are so worried about not getting it perfectly right?
1: I, I asked them to really read Gone with the Wind because when you're a perfectionist you're going to be like Scarlett O'Hara there is the war the Yankees are whatever and she says I think about it tomorrow so when you're a perfectionist you're going to procrastinate don't think about it tomorrow don't procrastinate Because the world is going to pass you by. And then you're really going to feel bad. You're going to think people are your enemies. So you're afraid to risk. I'd rather risk and suffer than not risk at all. Because no one can reject me but me. I say that over and over again. I was rejected, a girl told me, and she was even suicidal from the University of Texas. I said, so what happened? And she said, I told John that I'm a virgin. And he told me, if no one wanted you, I don't want you either. And here I'm sitting there thinking of my mother who told me I have something, but she didn't tell me what. I didn't know my anatomy. And this girl was going to take her life. But you know what's wrong? That based on shoulds, now I should be this way. And now I should be the other way. They based on shoulds. Not good. Get rid of the shoulds. And know whatever you do is going to have a price. And if someone telling you, I don't want you either. You say to yourself a good word, next. Just sit a little Shiva and then move on. Thank God you were saved from whoever he is. But he's not a man, he's a male. And that's what Freud talked about, the fellow-centric view of man, that women are incomplete men. And then came Karen Horney, who said, you can build Eiffel Towers, but we women give life. Thank you. So <clears throat> she gave it to me. <laughs> and that's how the Neo-Freudian, I know I, I've been through all of those schools of thought. It's good to be knowledgeable. And I always studied with people who told me who is their enemy. And then I went to study with the enemy you got to really, you got to know all the ways that you can be very knowledgeably eclectic. I can switch horses in mid gear, and you won't know what I'm doing, because what I'm doing is not getting me where I would like to. So I, I, it's the perspective that we have. And I learned now over 40 years that I'm doing that, that what works with one people and one couple, I'm just laying an egg with another. So I have to learn how to be hopefully an eligible guide. Auschwitz uh, was hell, and I will never minimize it or trivialize it But many people gave up, and today I beg parents, don't spoil your children. That's what parents do. In America, they spoil children. They buy them toys, and toys, and more toys. Talk to the child, that maybe you put it away, and then we're going to have a bank account. Maybe you can babysit, maybe put that money into the bank, that the child goes out into the world and makes it without the parents. Yeah. You have to divorce your parents and have an adult relationship and pay attention what you take from generation to generation. You can honor your parents, but you don't have to be like them. Be your own good parent. I love what you wear. I love that little sleeve. You know, (laughs) you're so chic so preciously young. I love it, I love it, I love it. You're such a good person to guide people, to be free, free at last.
0: It's actually all because my rabbi told me years ago that the opposite of depression is purpose. And uh, I lived in Jerusalem after college for two years and my rabbi said, we're each a masterpiece, a piece of the master. And I thought, you know, If everybody made something with their own hands, did something, taught something, shared something, they would add to the tapestry of the world what they were here to add, and the world, they would be more fulfilled, and they would serve. And so that was my prayer, asking Hashem to help me to do that work. It's very good to
1: know that rabbis are not smart, they are wise. And wise rabbis, I I heard of a rabbi that in Sunday school he was talking and one of the students said, I'm sick and tired of your Bible. (laughs) I want to talk about sex. And guess what? what? There's a difference between reacting or responding. And he said, wow, that's a brilliant idea. You may want to go and meet someone. Maybe a doctor who also became a sexologist, and we can learn more about human sexuality. That's the Rabbi, rather than I wash your mouth out of soap and and the punishment. Yeah, I grew up with. I grew up
0: with. Did you know rabbits and Esther Young Rice? Yes. She told me yes. something one day I'll never forget. She said when I was in the concentration camps, my father would say to pray to be like a rooster. And she said, what did the rooster know? Why? Why pray like a rooster? And she said, because the rooster was the first one on the farm that when it looked like it couldn't get any darker, he crowed and he said, wake up because the light is about to come. (laughs) So she said, In Judaism, we start the day in the night because it's the beginning of the story. The light is the end. I was there.
1: I was there with her. I was there, yes. She was brilliant. She was brilliant. Brilliant. You know, I, I wouldn't mind really, truly sitting at the feet of the rabbis who are wise and they know that whatever you put in, that's what you're going to get out.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's how the pudding is going to taste good. Or <sighs> the challah that my mother made like an art piece and the strudel that she was pulling, pulling that dough until it was paper thin. And then came the cherry. And the memories that I hope my children will be very, very happy because my books are on the living room table. So please write your book. Thank you for being you. I think you were a wise, beautiful woman of strength. taken? <laughs> I'm telling you something in Hungarian that God is blessing you.
0: Thank you. You're and the absolute it, best. You're, you're like a, a zillion twinkly lights. It's Just,
1: just hopefully uh, a wonderful, happy survivor who doesn't care about chronological age. Because when I was 40, my supervisor told me to get the doctorate and I told him it's impossible. By the time I get a Doctor, I'll be 50. And he said, you'll be 50 anyway. So get a doctor. That's when I began what you can do
0: too. You're amazing. You gave me so much and all of us. And it's such an honor. And Purim is on Thursday. So it's like perfect timing to have this conversation right before Purim. So Chag Sameach.
1: Wonderful. Celebrating. Celebrating with good food and remembering that you carry very good blood, that your ancestors didn't have it as good as you do, but they never gave up. And that's that's why you and I are very proud to carry that blood with us and never give up. Thank Thank you you you. so much.
0: Wow. What a powerful conversation. Dr. Edith is a remarkable one in a zillion human. What a soul. We will have links in the show notes so that you could grab her books and you can follow her on Instagram at dr.editheager. You can check out her work on her website, dreditheager.com, doctor is spelled D-R and Eager is spelled E-G-E-R. Here are the takeaways. Number one, the more you suffer, the stronger you become. Number two, no one can ever replace you. You are one of a kind. There can never be another you. Number three, the opposite of depression is expression. Number four, what you think you create. Number five, evolve instead of revolve. The best is yet to be. Number six, happiness doesn't come from the outside. Life is from the inside out. The only person who can make you happy is you. Number seven, Turn tragedy into an opportunity, a victory. Number eight, it's better to risk and suffer than not risk at all. No one can reject you, but you. All right, now I'm gonna celebrate you. So Angela said, I am super excited. I'm donating two of my masterpieces to a local church. They're having an auction slash raffle and the money goes to their church, but they talk about my business before it starts to get my business and name out there. I'm a bit nervous, but excited about it all. Wish me luck. Angela, that's so awesome. You already have all the luck you need. I love that you're finding other ways to spread the word about your business. And I know that whoever wins your beautiful paintings is gonna love them. You're adding so much color to this world. Everyone can go check out Angela's gorgeous art. She's at love and happy hearts on Facebook and Instagram. And the next win is from Mayan. Mayan said, oh my gosh, this is getting very real. I set up the membership portal for my mastermind yesterday. Lots of late nights, but it's going to be so worth it. The Shift Mastermind is a 12-month business incubator for coaches and creative heart-centered entrepreneurs looking to scale with ease. Shift your business into growth mode with the Shift Mastermind because information is everywhere, but implementation is everything. Yes, I love this. That is 100% true. We have access to all the information we need, but it is truly about the implementation. And I'm so proud of you for creating this mastermind so that you can help people actually take action on what they're learning I'm so excited to see where this is going to take you. Everyone can go give Mayan some love. Her Instagram is at Mayan Bobby Lev, M-A-A-Y-A-N-B-O-B-Y-L-E-V. All right, now I want to announce the winner of our giveaway. So we are going to be doing these giveaways twice a week. If you want to be eligible to win some adorable swag, all you have to do is write a review on Apple Podcasts and post a screenshot of your review on Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller. If you're not subscribed on Apple Podcasts, but you're subscribed somewhere else, you could leave a review and you could also just post about this podcast on your Instagram and tell your friends to listen and share about it. And you can tag me at kathy.heller. And if you like today's show, definitely share it and tag Dr. Edith Eager as well, because I know that it will make her happy to see that this made a difference for you. So today the winner is Kelly Bluth and she wrote, daily empowerment, Kathy is your girl. Kathy's podcast is a must listen for all who aspire to be more and know that they have more to give this world. Think that your gifts and talents don't matter. You won't after listening to this podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for writing that beautiful review. And for anyone who's going to post about the show later today, it means so much to me. And for anyone who's listening right now, thank you. I know that your time is the most precious thing that you have. And it means a lot that you're here. I hope that every time you're here, you feel loved. I hope that every time you're here, you feel encouraged and you are reminded that you matter and you're needed and you're given some inspiration to take that next step. We have some more amazing conversations and mini episodes coming. So make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a rating and review so that you can be eligible for the giveaway. It doesn't cost you a thing to subscribe or to leave a review. And it's a great way to support us. Before we go, I'm curious if this episode inspired you. Were you touched by Dr. Edith's words? If so, share them, email the link text the link, post about this on your Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller and I'll repost it and tag Dr. Edith at Dr. Edith Eager. So she knows how much this conversation meant to you. I love you. I will leave you with a song. I will talk to you tomorrow.